This morning's message for Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church is brought to you by Brother Scott. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily. If you take your Bible, please, and turn with me to the book of uh, First Chronicles, way back in the Old Testament. First Chronicles, chapter number four. First Chronicles, chapter number four, beginning in verse number five. And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that great? Not a very wise man, right? He had two mother-in-laws. That's not a very, and I'm just sorry about that. Hela and Nera. Nera bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Temani, and these were the sons of Nera. The sons of Hela were Zareth, Zohar, and Ethnan, and Cause begot Anub, Zobandib, and the families of <coughs> the son of Haram. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, my coast, that your hand, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that, I may not ca- that it may not cause me pain. So God granted him what he requested. Uh, coming across Jabez in these uh, dry genealogies, and I'll, tell, I'll be completely honest, uh, tell on myself, when, I, when I'm reading through Scripture, and I don't read through the Bible, and I don't read the Bible anymore, I listen to Scripture. I'll tell you why. A lot of times I'll be reading, and I'll fall asleep, and I'll get a few verses. But if I'm listening to Scripture, which is so available nowadays, it's amazing, uh, I'll find I'll be like, well, I only meant to, I was, if I was reading, I only read one chapter, but I had accidentally listened to seven chapters. You know what I mean? You're like, because you're listening to the story. And it, so it's a, it's a lot more profitable to me uh, to listen. But um, if I am reading and I come to these genealogies, honestly, I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm just going to skip over to where they're actually talking about some people and what happened and things like that. Um, that's usually what I do. But um Coming across this, you know, you're reading through these genealogies and you come across Jabez. It's like traveling across a long, hot desert and coming across an oasis. Uh, You want to stop and drink some cool water and refresh yourself before you have to travel on. If you're going the long way and you're actually reading all the way uh, through. Do you remember the Jabez craze that swept the country a few years ago? Many of you probably have uh, different books and things, and uh, it's an excellent prayer um, but the author of that book that kind of brought it all back out, um, he said that this was a model prayer that should be prayed by every Christian every day. And um, of course, it certainly wouldn't hurt. I'm not saying that, but um, I don't necessarily believe that this is a model prayer. He seemed in that book to be teaching uh, that we should be greedy. And if we just use the right formula in prayer, God will give us everything we want. Um, if there is a model prayer for a Christian, Then it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and following. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Jesus said, Our Father which art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, If there is a model prayer for the Christian, certainly that would be it. But um, I also disagree with uh, another take that a a preacher friend of mine had on on the whole thing. Uh, He said that uh, it was nothing that the prayer of Jabez was nothing more than a prayer that was prayed back in the Old Testament and it was answered and that's it. And there's nothing for us today. And I completely disagree with that attitude as well, because 2 Timothy chapter 3, of course, tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that literally means God breathed. It means it's given by the movement, by the breathing of the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, um, just as we would not have the word of God if, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we would have no word of God. We would have no scripture. We would have no... Um, no rock to stand on if it was not for the Holy Spirit of God and his movement and giving us the word as he did, just in the same way, there's no word of God for us today without the Holy Spirit. And uh, Jesus said, he will guide you into all truth. And unless the Holy Spirit is guiding you and teaching you, you're you're not going to learn anything. Uh, You can't learn anything unless the Holy Spirit teaches you. Sometimes we we, we hear the word Holy Spirit and it's kind of spooky to us, you know. Sounds kind of spooky, but the truth is we need to get over that because you will never learn anything about Jesus. You will never learn anything about the word of God, about heaven, about anything eternal. You'll never learn anything unless the Holy Spirit teaches you. You'll never learn anything about Jesus. You'll never know Jesus. You'll never know anything about God or heaven real other than in your head. You'll never know him in your heart unless the Holy Spirit works in you today. And so all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. It's the breath of God. It's the word of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, to tell us when we're wrong, for correction, to tell us how to get right, for instruction and righteousness, to tell us how to live, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the the word of God Apart from the Holy Spirit of God gives us nothing. The word of God has no value to us. None. Apart from the Holy Spirit of God. But with the Holy Spirit of God, his word, we have everything that we need in order to live a mature Christian life and to please God. First of all, let's remember that in the Bible, God is revealing himself to us. What is the Bible about? God is revealing himself to us in the Bible. And we can be sure that there's more to learn about God than there is about Jabez in this prayer, right? And notice that the Holy Spirit chooses to skip through all these other people, all these other names without telling us anything more about them than their name. He could have stopped and told us all about their lives, but he doesn't. And then he stops and shines a big spotlight on one man. If God hadn't given us this account, we would not know that Jabez had ever lived, right? I mean, I wouldn't know that he'd ever existed, but God shines a light on him here. And it's as if God is saying, take notice, eyes front, pay attention, emphasis here. And God wants to introduce us to one of his dear friends in Jabez. Number one, I want you to notice how Jabez began in uh, chapter four and verse number nine, how Jabez began. Now, Jabez was more honorable 
than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain, or I bore him in sorrow. So she named him. Think about that. After this pain, what could have happened that would cause a mother to name her child born in sorrow, born in pain? Did his birth cause such trauma to his mother that she was going to die and she left him with this name? Did her husband die during her pregnancy, leaving her heartbroken as Jabez was born? And so she, she gave him this name. Was he maybe a twin and the other twin was stillborn? Was he the product of, of a rape or something like that? That would explain Jeb, Jabez asking to be kept from evil that it would not grieve him. We don't know exactly why. What we do know is that his birth was a time of such sorrow that his mother never wanted anyone to forget it. Think about that. Such sorrow that his mother never wanted anyone to forget about it. His name meant born with sorrow. If she lived long after he was born, then every time she called his name, they were both, uh, both of them were reminded of a sad beginning, weren't they? Think about it. She called his name born of sorrow, born of sorrow. Every time Jabez met someone on the street, his name would remind everyone, good morning, sad beginnings. Good morning, Jabez. Good morning, sad beginnings. How many people use their early life as an excuse for all of their problems? I know I have in the past, and I could if I chose to. The truth is, if people came from a wonderful, supportive family, they'd simply find other excuses for their bad behavior, right? Woe is me, everyone's done me wrong. I've heard it. I've had people tell me, and I guess I've been halfway there myself at times, but woe is me, everyone's done me wrong. Everywhere I go, every job I get, everything I try to do, there's someone there to hold me back. I've heard people say it just like that. Woe is me. The hee-haw version, doom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. That's how some people act. But not everyone allows trials to destroy them. Not everyone allows trials to destroy them. It's not in our strength. It's not because some people are stronger than others. It's a matter of whether we're weak enough to allow God to be God in our lives or whether we try to do things on our own. And that's where we fail. You ever heard of Wilma Rudolph? Probably many of you have. She was born the 20th of 22 children in a poor black family in Tennessee in the 1940s. I mean, think about that. At birth, Wilma weighed four pounds. At the age of four, she got polio and lost the use of her left leg. The battle with polio left her so weak that she got pneumonia and scarlet fever. Somehow she survived, but spent most of her childhood as a cripple. Through many years of physical therapy, which her mother carried her to on her one day off each week, Wilma slowly regained the use of her left leg. How many of us would have given up on ever amounting to anything and instead used the difficulties to play on people's sympathies, right? But Wilma went on to play high school basketball, setting the single season record for the most points scored. She averaged 32 points a game. In 1960, Wilma Rudolph represented the United States in the Olympics, which was held in Rome, Italy. She won gold medals in all three of the events in which she competed. She tied the world record in the 100-yard dash, set a new world record in the 200 meters. In the 400-meter relay, she brought the U.S. from behind to win the gold. 
The moral of the story isn't to say that any of us is ever going to compete in the Olympics or anything like that. Maybe somebody will. I don't know. Wilma Rudolph said, my doctors told me I would never walk again. My mother told me I would, and I believed my mother. That's it. Faith. She believed her mother's word. She believed what her mother, what her mother said. By God's grace, we can overcome whatever, wherever we are. Maybe that's not where we began, but it's where we're beginning with God now. So how Jabez began. Number two, what Jabez decided. In spite of his sad beginning, the Bible tells us that Jabez was more honorable than any of his brethren. That's an interesting thing for God to say. He was more honorable than any of his brethren. I don't remember a lot of statements like that throughout scripture, as I think. Jabez couldn't control who his mother was or what happened before he was born, but he can control what kind of person he was going to be and what kind of a life that he was going to live. So he decided to live a life of honor, a life of honor. He valued life more than others. That's what it means. He valued life more than others did. He, he knew, he understood that it was a gift of God. It was a, it was a, Blessed privilege from God. If his mother was still alive, she must have been very proud of the way that her little boy turned out, huh? How was Jabez the most honorable man in the tribe of Judah? Well, probably in the areas of faithfulness and learning. Ezra, the scribe who wrote these genealogies, was well aware of Jabez, obviously. Jewish history tells us that uh, Jabez was a doctor of the law who left many disciples behind. We have every reason to believe that that's true. Look at uh, chapter 2 of 1 Chronicles and verse 55. Chapter 2, verse 55. And the families of the scribes, that's the theologians, that's the Bible college students, families of the scribes who dwelt at Jabez. So the city where the Bible was taught, apparently, was actually named Jabez. And so we can just put our imagination to work a little bit and suppose that he was Uh, He was a great scribe, as history tells us. The city of those who studied the Bible was named after him. Instead of self-pity, Jabez gave himself to the study and teaching of God's word. Instead of self-pity, he gave himself to the word of God and to the people of God. Many people would have allowed a beginning like his to turn them bitter. I've done that, I confess. They would have uh, looked like they'd been weaned on lemons, right? Whining and complaining all day, every day, Jabez instead had the right response to the difficulty. He allowed it to humble him. He allowed it to break him. He knew he needed God. He knew, you can hear it in his words, in the prayer, he needed God. Oh, Lord, I need you. And his heart was tender. He wanted the Lord's blessing. God, I just want you to bless me. God, I want what you have for me. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Someone says, my life is a result of all the things that happened to me. That's what people think. Everything that happened to me, uh, my life is a result. The truth is your life is the sum total of your your responses to your trials. Your life is the sum total of your responses to your trials. We're all either in a trial, we're going into a trial, or we're coming out of a trial. Sometimes three or four at the same time, right? Sometimes you think they're going to hit each other head on, and they do sometimes. But our life is is the sum total of the responses to the trials that we have. And the best response is to fall on your knees and to cry out to God and to believe Him. Our God is in the business of turning tragedy into triumph. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come 
to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why Jesus came. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Like Jabez, let your trials humble you. God gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. I mean, think about that. I, I have enough troubles in life. I don't, I mean, I want God to help me. And if he doesn't help me, I certainly don't want him to resist, right? Well, the Bible says God resists the proud and God gives grace to the humble. Uh, Another thing we learn from Jabez, his trials drove him to God. Some people allow their trials to drive them away from God. We've probably done that. Jabez asked God for, uh, for what he needed. He went to God for what he needed. He went to the right person, the God of Israel, he says, Uh, This title reminded him of the miracles the Lord had done for Israel in the past. That's a good thing for us to do. Remember God's mighty works in the past. You know, before God asks you, just in your own personal life, before God asks you to believe, you'll find that he's already done something for you. That's amazing. That you know, you know God, God did that for you. And that's how he said... Okay, now next time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call on you to believe because I already showed you. Jabez is uh, with this title, the God of Israel is reminded of all the mighty works that God had done. Uh, notice the attitude of his prayer. He spoke to God like he was desperate. Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. Oh, this little word speaks of desperation. Jabez exercised biblical faith in God Almighty. He wasn't interested in what, could, in what he could do in his own strength, in his own wisdom, in his own uh, ability. Instead, he wanted God to bless his life. If, I, if, if we could go to 100 colleges and get 100 degrees, and uh, 100 degrees, that sounds nice right now, doesn't it? Tell you, it's, it's not fit for man or beast out there. I was thinking of a politically incorrect joke. I don't know if I should tell it, but um, you know why the Indian chief had all them Feathers on his head, right? He was trying to keep his wigwam. That's true. That's a true story. If God blesses our life, if God blesses our church, if God blesses, it'll be better than all the plans, all the, you know, if we just get God's blessing. That's all we need. That's what we need. And Jabez knew that. He was no doubt a man of means. He was a man of intelligence, a man of of abilities, and he had people following him. He could have attempted so many different things and probably did, but he knew this was more important. He knew this was where it was at to to have God's blessing on his life. Notice what Jabez prayed for. He prayed for the blessing of God. Oh, that thou would have blessed me indeed. There are many ideas of what it means to be successful. Most people think that the more money they have, the more blessed they are. Jabez wanted to be blessed according to God's definition. He prayed, bless me indeed. Bless me with real blessings. He wanted everything that God had for him. Do you? Do you want everything that God has for you, no matter what it costs? You ever thought about that? God, get alone in the closet with the Lord. And uh, that's a question to ask yourself. Do I really want everything that God has for me, um, no matter what it costs? He didn't tell God what real blessings were. He expected God to tell him. More influence for good. Enlarge my coast. He didn't ask for more stuff. James 4.3, 
Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume upon your lusts. He was praying for more of an opportunity to influence people for God. I believe Jabez had a desperate hunger to help as many people as possible to know the God that he knew, to know God in the way that he knew him. That's a prayer that honors God. God was honored by his prayer. He prayed for God's manifest presence in his life. This is what we need, that thine hand might be with me. Wow, what a prayer. God, that thine hand might be with me. Jabez says, Lord, I want to hold your hand through life. When a, when a couple's holding hands, they don't let anybody get between them, right? Jabez had learned that it's not the absence of trials. Some of y'all are older than me. Some of y'all may be quite a bit older than me. I'm, I'm getting ready to be 51 here coming up. That sounds old to me. But some of y'all, I appreciate that. Y'all make me feel young. I appreciate that. However old you are, I doubt that anybody remembers a time when you, there weren't trials. I mean, you, if you do, it's because you have sunshiny thinking of the past, the good old days, right? There's never been a time in life. And so it's not the absence of trials that we're looking for. It's the presence of the Lord. It's to know that I'm walking God's path, God's will, God's hand. He prayed for God's manifest presence in his life. He prayed that God might keep him from evil. He had a tender heart. Sin grieved him. He knew even with his Bible training and position in the community, he didn't have the strength to overcome sin, and neither do you. Read Romans chapter 7. We don't have the strength to overcome sin. That's why we just going to try a little harder this time. Well, you get a little older and a little older, and you keep on trying. One of these days, you'll realize that without him, you can do nothing. How is it done? It's done by faith. Done by faith in what he says, believing when what he tells us in his word. It's done by faith and surrender. Believe God and surrender completely. And he will help you. But you can't, you don't have the strength to overcome sin. He needed the Lord to keep him from evil. The word keep carries the idea of a security guard, of, of a sentry duty. Somebody standing over him, guarding him. Guard me, Lord. Keep me from evil. The last thing in the world this man wanted to do was to sin against God. And then finally notice how God responded. How do you think God's going to respond? What else would he do? When a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, cries out to God and asks for that which pleases him, he all, he's always ready to answer. Uh, God wants to bless us. God wants to, God wants to bless us every day. I'm not talking about prosperity theology. I'm talking about God's blessings on our life, about kn knowing that He's real, knowing that he's with us, knowing that he's leading, knowing his presence. When a man or a woman, a boy or a girl cries out to God, he's always ready to answer. He doesn't hold back. When we're obedient, trusting him, seeking to do his will, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. God granted him that which he requested. I love that. No long explanation needed. God granted him that which he requested. He went to God in faith. It doesn't sound to me like he's not quite sure if God's real or not, right? Doesn't quite, it sounds to me like he knows, he believes. Oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, my coast, that your hand would be with me. This is a good prayer for Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church going into a new year. That's where we are, right? I said that right, didn't I? I'm liable to say anything. I've been to a lot of churches. This is a good prayer going into 2022. As an individual, 
as a church, as maybe a family, oh, that, that, that you would bless me indeed. God, I want, I want your blessings. I want to stop. Look, one thing we need to do sometime, another sermon, another day, but God doesn't hold back. When we're obedient, trusting him, seeking to do his will, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. God granted him everything that he wanted, that he asked for. This passage tells us much more about God than it does about Jabez. The Lord never changes when he finds his children not looking for excuses, willing to do what's right with faith in him uh, and crying out to him in prayer. God will always respond in the same way. He'll grant whatever we request. Now, I said last week, I think, that D.L. Moody had said this, but I think it's A.W. Tozer. That's what I have written in my notes. Anyhow, he said, what God has done for anyone, God will do for anyone. What God has done for anyone, he's willing to do for everyone. I think that was right. The difference is not with God. The difference is with us.